me start by thanking you for coming back tonight. A lot of other things going on today. I know we've got a number of graduations and family celebrations because of that. Of course, it's Mother's Day and lots of families still in town and lots of other options for this evening. But I'm glad that you've come to learn a little bit about Gideon and hope it's helpful. Uh, I think the more I study Gideon and the more time I spend with him, I think more faith walkers ought to know a little bit about Gideon. He's got quite a progression of starting from nothing and becoming a conqueror. And that's what we call this series, From Coward to Conqueror. And we haven't quite got the conqueror yet. We're just barely past the coward stage. In fact, we're still in the coward stage a little bit. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when we started this series, and Gideon's going to be a tough one because we get interrupted a number of times in this four-part series, but we'll get it all done eventually. Uh, when we started last time, we got him to his first big step. And you remember he started on the... Way down bottom. In fact, he was below bottom. He was down in the wine press. Uh, he was below ground level. Uh, he had no faith. He, he questioned God's presence even. He didn't even know if God was there. Uh, he was, seemed to be a little bitter about things, in fact. And the angel shows up and calls him a mighty warrior. And he wasn't going for that because he was... Faithless. He had no self-confidence. He had no anything. And so he just kind of ignored that mighty warrior thing and questioned the angel. Well, where is God? I don't see God doing anything. He promised he'd do all these things. He didn't do anything for us. And the angel came back, and the angel kind of ignored him. It's kind of a two-sided conversation without either one listening, I think, uh, the angel came back and said, you go in the strength you have, and God will take care of it. Yeah. And he said, I can't do this. I'm too weak. He said, my tribe's the weakest. I'm the weakest in my family. This, this, this can't happen. And God said, I'm with you. I'll be with you. You are going to defeat the Midianites. And at that point, he started to ask for signs. Well, I need some signs. And the angel gave him a sign. He turned the food into fire and disappeared in the fire himself and all of that. And at that point, finally Gideon made his first big step. And that big step was to understand who's running things. That's all he understood at that point. He was still scared to death. We're going to find out tonight. But he got from thinking, God's not here, God's not in charge, I can't do it, I'm too weak, to finally saying, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. He's got this. Okay. Now just because he accepted that, just because he got to that point, doesn't mean he's all of a sudden up here 100% faith walker. He's still got a long ways to go, but he's taken that first little step, understanding God's running things. Okay, so tonight we start in chapter 6 and verse 25, and what I call this little piece is obeying in fear. So let's read what happens next after he decided God was running things, beginning 6, 25. 
tell you one thing, it helps a whole lot if you get out of Deuteronomy and find judges. I'm reading chapter 6 in Deuteronomy and it ain't coming to me. All right, chapter 6 over in Judges. This will work a lot better. Uh, 25. That same night, I gave you plenty of time to get there. You ought to be with me. That same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Now, just stop for a second there. Remember where we are. People had some good times under Deborah, 40 years of obeying God and all that, and now they turned again away from God. So for seven years, Midian's been oppressing them. They're worshiping Baal, they're worshiping Asherah, they're doing things they shouldn't do. Even Gideon's daddy has an altar to Baal. Okay, So God says, here's where you start. Tear down your father's altar to Baal, cut down the Asherah pole beside it, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Using the wood from the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning, when the men of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. Well, the men of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he's broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So that day they called Gideon Jerob Baal, saying, meaning, let Baal contend with him, because he broke down Baal's altar. All right. Here's what we see in this. God, he had got to the point where he thought God was running things. God tells him, here's what I want you to do. Tear down your daddy's altar. Cut down the Asherah pole, which was, I probably should have spent some time explaining the gods and all that, but uh, not really necessary. Uh, just cut down these false altars and worship things and build a new one to Jehovah, sacrifice the bull on it. Okay. Did Gideon do that? Yes, he obeyed. Okay, He did what God told him. But it throws in there that he was afraid. He was scared to death to do it. He thought his family would get him, and he thought the people of the town would get him, which they wanted to do. Now, I don't know exactly what he was afraid of, but maybe he was afraid they were going to kill him, but he was afraid. So he got ten guys to help him, and maybe he needed that many, I'm not sure, but he got some guys to help him, and he did it at night so nobody would see him. I think the things to learn from that is, number one, where did God start him? God started him at home. I think maybe that's a pretty good lesson for faith walking, is faith walks 
oftentimes, most times probably, ought to start at home. You want to be a great faith walker, if things aren't right at home, you're probably not going to be a great faith walker. See if you identify with this, and some of us may. Uh, go hear some wonderful preacher, or we read some great book, and we get all inspired, and we, we hear about evangelism, or we hear about giving, or we hear about serving others, and we say, yeah, I, I want to do that. I need to do that. I need to give more. I need to serve more. I need to evangelize more. I need to do all of this stuff. And it never happens. Now, why doesn't it happen? Well, a lot of times because that stuff isn't happening at home. Now, if things aren't right at home, I mean, to sit here and say, I'm going to give more because that sermon really motivated me. And then go home and... Pull out the checkbook that week and realize that you're three months behind on the mortgage payment. All of a sudden, this great desire to give more blows up, doesn't it? We've got to get things right at home. So, for some reason, that's where God started it. Now, and, and he's, he's doing this in public. I mean, it's in his hometown and all that. So look at the step he's already taken. We're already from the wine press to doing something in public. We're still so scared we do it at night, but we're at least doing it. We're obeying. Okay. Uh, put that point down. He was afraid, but he obeyed. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase, just do the next right thing. But that's the answer to a whole lot of stuff. Uh, any uh, improvement, any stepping out on faith, any fixing difficult problems, uh, overcoming anything is a scary thing. Tackling anything new, changing something, trying to stop an old habit and start a new one, any of that kind of stuff is, is frightening. <clears throat> but if you know the next right thing to do, that's all you have to do is do that. Okay? You don't have to solve the whole problem. You don't have to think about even or fix what's going to be the problem in a year. You just got to do what's the next right thing. <coughs> Excuse me. If you know what that is, just do it. And that's what Gideon did. Remember what the goal was. We're going to defeat Midian. <laughs> Do you think Gideon grasped that yet? Do you think he was really comfortable? Yeah, I'm going to whip Midian. No, he was so afraid to knock down some stones in his hometown that he did it at night. But that was the next right thing. That was all he had to do that night. Now, he was afraid of what was going to happen, but... Not only did he know that was the next right thing to do, did he have enough strength to do it? What, what did the angel told him originally? Go in what strength? Excuse me, the strength you have. Now, he did it. He was afraid. I don't know what he was afraid was going to happen. They were going to kill him or whatever. But the outcome, the results were way different than he expected, which I think is another lesson. 
doing the next right thing seems so scary, and we build up in our mind that, well, this is going to be horrible if I do this. Well, often, sometimes it is, but often it turns out a whole lot better. Yeah, things get better. And that's exactly what happened. The people in the town were mad. And it would, I wish there was more in this story about he and his dad's relationship and all that. But Joash stuck up for him. I mean, people went to him and he said, where's Gideon? And we're going to kill him. And Joash said, why? He didn't pick on you. He picked on Baal. You know, if Baal's a god, let him defend himself. And the people had to start thinking a little bit and think, well, maybe Baal isn't a god. But Joash stuck up for him. And all of a sudden, not only did nobody kill him, uh, did nobody ban him from the village. Uh, They didn't shun him as far as I can tell. What they did is they gave him a nickname. Basically, this guy whipped Baal. You know, let Baal contend with him. He handled Baal just fine. So all of a sudden, what he thought was going to be a disaster, he's got this newfound respect, if you will, from the town. And his confidence starts to build a little bit. Not just confidence, but his faith. He starts to understand, okay, God got me through that one. All I did was what my strength allowed me to do, did the next right thing, I obeyed God, and... It's all right. I'm still walking. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be, I'll be all right. So he goes from there, from that little baby step of obeying in fear to still fearful, but he starts to take charge. Okay. Now, if you keep going back and comparing this to the pitiful guy in the wine press, it's impressive. He's coming a long ways. Okay, so let's read the next little part. Starting in verse 33 to the end of the chapter. Famous story about the fleece is in here. All right. Verse 33. Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the uh, Abirzerites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet him. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I'll place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there's dew only on the fleece, and all the ground is dry, then I'll know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. That's what happened. Gideon rose early the next day, he squeezed the fleece, wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, now don't be angry with me, but let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time, make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. And that night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry, all the ground was covered with dew. All right, kind of a strange little story, strange test, but... I think we can learn a few things from it. First of all, his success, what he had done when he obeyed in fear, his success gave him enough confidence to begin taking command. Now, all it says that he did, the, the Spirit of God came upon him, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but 
What did he do? What wonderful thing did he do by the power of the Spirit in great obedience to God? Blew a trumpet. Well, whoop de do. Uh, isn't that a big step? Yeah, it is a big step, if you understand what it means. What it meant was, I am calling all you Israelites in the area to come help me. We're going to go whip the Midianites. Look at, look at the step we've made here. Okay? From the wine press, questioning God, to, to arguing with the angel, to saying, all right, God's in control, God's running this, to obeying a little test at his hometown by fear, and now he's ready. He's starting to think of himself, maybe, or at least obey God as the mighty warrior that God told him he was when we started this story. He blows the trumpet. He tells all the his tribe. He calls a few other tribes that are in the area. He says, we're going to war. Big step. Call to battle. Now, the spirit part of it, whole other study I don't think we got time to get into it if you've been through the Holy Spirit study uh, that I do every once in a while. You'll know the Old Testament uh, appearances of the Spirit when we read about him. It's few and far between and not guaranteed to anybody. He doesn't stay with anybody like he lives in us, but he comes upon people periodically. And that means the power of the Spirit comes upon them. They are enabled, they are empowered to do what they need to do. So God may have sent him a special measure of encouragement here, but by the Spirit, he blew the trumpet. Okay? Whether the Spirit's living with us or coming periodically or whatever, it works the same way. If you do by faith, what you know to do, the, the, and if you need empowerment, the Spirit will empower you to do that. That's what he's done from day one, is empowered man to do things he can't do on his own. And if you just in faith obey, all that stuff we talked about last week is true. God said it doesn't matter about your strength. You just do it in the strength you have, and I'll take care of it. I am sending you, was the second part of that sentence. You go on the strength you got, I'm sending you. The power is in the I, I'm sending. And after Gideon told him how weak he was and his tribe and all that, he said, hey, who's, who's sending you here? Me, I'll take care of it. You will beat the Midianites. Okay, so when you do that, when you, when you obey in that faith step, Whatever it is, Spirit empowers you to do whatever you need. You'll never be asked to do anything. You'll never have to do anything that you and the Spirit can't get done. So he blows the trumpet. Probably still, well, he was still afraid. Because he says, ah, I better have some signs here. Can you imagine when all the people started showing up? They probably started asking, what's the battle plan? How are we going to whip the Midianites, Gideon? Well, I actually hadn't thought about that yet. I just called for soldiers. And God said, we'll get them somehow. 
Well, maybe they started saying, no, we need a little better plan than that. And so Gideon says, I need some signs. Well, he started out, I need a sign. And once he got it, he said, well, I need one more. Okay. I think the important thing here is to look at the fact that even though he's growing, he's obeying now, he's starting to take charge, he still needs this reassurance. He still needs to know. He just doesn't quite have that in him to take that step of faith all alone. I want a sign. I want some reassurance. He's still asking. He's still looking for signs. Now, later in the story, a couple weeks when we get to it, we're going to see that he doesn't ask for them anymore. He gets to the point, but God still gives them to him. God's Still gives him a sign, but he didn't ask for it like he did here. And I think if you put those two things together, maybe we can surmise that God does give us the signs. I think usually they tend to come after we obey. You know, like when he tore down the altars, after that was he looked around and said, whoa, I'm not dead. You know? Uh, they're even, they got a nickname for me. I'm kind of famous here in town. That may be a sign that what I did was the right thing. That may be a sign that God's going to protect me no matter what I do. So I think a lot of times we get the signs afterward, but he was still looking for the signs before. Now, this thing about putting out the fleece and wanting the ground to stay dry and the fleece to get wet or the fleece to get dry on the ground, get wet, whatever. Uh, you, you can try that kind of test if you want on God. I'd caution you a little bit to try something well, exactly like that because you know, it, it might work in Kansas. I don't know, you know, without God doing anything. You know, that's half of the fleece might freeze and the other half might burn up or something the way this weather has been going. Could be strange things going on. But specifically laying out a test like that. Bear in mind, this doesn't endorse it. It doesn't say this is the way you check God. It just said that Gideon, in his faith walk, when he got to this point, that's what he needed, and God understood it. I got the point to get out of it. God understood he needed this. So he gave it to him. I don't know where you are in your faith walk, what kind of reassurance you need or whatever, but God does. And if he thinks you need it, he'll give it to you. But I think there's a little difference, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but let's talk a little bit about it. When we say, I'll put out the fleece, you know, that's kind of an old term. I don't know if you young people say that or not, but some people say, well, yeah, I need to put the fleece out on that. And what we're saying is, I want to see if God really wants me to do this. In a, Really, we're in a little different place than Gideon was. We're really kind of saying, I want to make sure this is God's will. Was Gideon trying to find out God's will? I don't think so. I think he knew God's will. 
I think he knew it from the first appearance of the angel. What did the angel tell him? You're a mighty warrior. We're going to whip the Midianites. Now, we've been through all these steps, and we've been learning, and we've been growing in faith and all that. So when he put the fleece out, he, he didn't need to know God's will. He knew God's will. He just needed a little boost, a little reassurance that, okay, God's really going to come through. He said, it's the same problem he started with. He says he's going to do it by my hand, but, ooh, this is getting, I've got an army assembling here. This is getting real now. I don't know if he's really going to do it. So he asked. He already knew his will. He was asking for reassurance of that. Uh, and I think the difference there is sometimes we try the fleece or we, we want God to tell us exactly uh, what we're supposed to do in life. I don't think he does it by us constructing a test like this, especially a physical test. Uh, God's already wet the fleece. I mean, you read through here, if you know what God's will is, you know he said he's going to help you. He's, well, he's wet the fleece all we need if we just read it and pay attention to it. And if we look around us, I think we'll see wet fleece or dry fleece and figure it out. But I don't think there's anything wrong with testing some way. And the best way, I think, is to go talk to somebody. Seek some counsel. You know, now, if you've got in your mind that here's what God wants me to do, this is his will, I think I ought to do this or that or the other, don't put fleece out on the deck. Go talk to somebody that's mature and wise and experienced and bounce it off of them. So here's what I'm thinking about doing. Do you, do you think that's a good idea? I, I think that's a much better method of getting some reassurance. Somebody that's that's been there, that's seen some things and all that. Now, if if they've failed at everything they've ever done, if they got no faith, don't go ask them. Make sure you find somebody with some faith, but some wisdom. That's what we're after here. Uh, all he wanted was the reassurance that yes, you can do this. So, I suggest take seeking some wise counsel. Tell them, here's what I'm considering. What do you, what do you think that it is a good idea or not? Most of the time when we're looking for God's will, we, we know God's will 99% of the time, I think. That's my position. I think the things we wonder about are the 50-50 kind of things that God will work out whichever way we pick. You know, should I take this job or this job? Which city does God want me to live in? Well, he'll close the doors and open the windows and he'll get you to the right place. And even if you pick the wrong place, he'll use you. you know, the, the, most of the time, though, we know what his will is. We don't need fleece. We don't even need somebody's advice. We know, yeah, this is the right thing to do. Most of the time, we're just afraid to do it. Okay, so look where we've come. Made a little progress with our boy Gideon. He started with... No faith, no self-confidence, questioned God's presence. He wasn't much of a mighty warrior at all. He argued with God, all of that. He finally got through that. He made that first little step. All right, God's in charge. I got peace with this. 
And I probably should have mentioned that a little bit when I'm talking about discerning God's will and all that. I can't explain it to you, but I think at some point you'll either have peace with it or you won't. If you don't have peace with it, you're probably going the wrong direction. Like I say, I can't explain it. I can't tell you how that works or how the Holy Spirit handles it or what, but I just know from experience when I've had to make decisions like that where I wish I could put the fleece out, if I don't have peace that, yeah, this is the right call, then I don't do it. I, I wait until that peace is there. Yeah, this is the right thing. I, and sometimes it happens overnight. Just, okay, yep, that's the right thing to do. I'm going to charge on. Anyhow, he got to that point where God is peace. Second, he did some obeying at home, even though he was afraid. Then he obeyed publicly, blowing the trumpet, calling other people. Uh, he was ready to move out, move up, start taking charge like he wanted to. Still needed reassurance, though. Still needed reassurance that God was telling the truth. I'm really going to do this through you. And that's all right. He's still growing. He's, he's not all the way up there yet. Okay, when we get back together on this, we'll find out how he takes command. And actually, he goes just a little beyond taking command. Starts to trust in himself just a little bit. So he makes some makes the full journey and gets straightened out on that. All right, and then we'll draw some lessons when we're finished. Thank you for your attention tonight. That part of Gideon is yours, and we'll cover some more next time we're together. Next week, Marriage Matters will be here at 6 o'clock and 7 o'clock. Week after that, family camp, and then we'll get back together on Gideon. If you're here this evening and need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we'd be happy to help you put Christ on in baptism. Uh, if you need some prayers of this family or anything else from this family while we're here, let's stand and sing. If you need to come, let's come.